Welcome back to the Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, this week we were in Japan for round 16 of the MotoGP Championship. We're finally back to the flyaway rounds after three years away. And wow, it definitely did not disappoint. It was an unbelievable weekend of racing. So let's just jump straight into it, into the Moto3 class. Izan Guevara, back-to-back wins. He's done it again. He's extended his championship lead out in front. He's now, I think, about 45 points ahead of Sergio Garcia, even more ahead of Dennis Foggia. This guy has become unstoppable. He's just insane. Like, I don't even know what to say about him. I'm just going to keep predicting him to win because I got the Moto3 <laughs> podium right, people. Uh, last week, I got MotoGP right this weekend, um, Moto3, and I'm so happy that he won. Like, I want him to win this championship. Mm. W- like, he would deserve it, in my opinion. Well, I think at this point, he has got it wrapped up. Like, he's yeah. not realistically if somehow garcia comes back i don't think it's gonna happen though is it on such a low low at the moment like he is is there even any of like can he win like all however many races are left four races possible races yeah well it's mathematically possible still but at the same time i it would call you know you'd need Guevara to be either crashing or not really scoring points and I don't really see that happening unless he gets unlucky so I I genuinely don't think that Garcia and Foggia have an answer for him it is mathematically possible but realistically the the momentum is completely on Isan's side like right now I don't think there's any rider who's like in the flow as much as he is yeah he's just constantly putting up great performances and i don't think there's anyone really there to stop him like he would have to crash out of like probably the rest of the races yeah, yeah. pretty much for the others to take it away and i mean he can win the championship in australia because yeah, he has he's how many points ahead now like 43 45. 45 so if he gets five more points in the next round and just stays on the bike in the next and he's still 50 51 ahead then that's the championship done sorted i think this will be the the first one to be decided this year yeah for sure i'd say so honestly that's not what i expected moto three to go i thought garcia was ahead of guevara um, but like Guevara really learned, I think. I don't know what it was, but he just puts out like such consistency. And the way he like usually qualifies was it qualifying where he goes out all by himself, yeah, and just tries to get the lap done. Respect, yeah, I think that'll bode well for him when he inevitably moves up. I know it's not confirmed yet, but it's probably one of the worst kept secrets in the paddock that he will yeah. be taking the Moto2 seat for the Aspar team next year. And I think that'll that'll work really well for him. That I know he's obviously going to have to adapt to a new bike, but that 
where he can go out in qualifying and just set stunning laps by himself, whereas everyone else needs slipstreaming to get toes off people. I think this will only get better as he progresses through the classes. Like, yeah, I'm really excited, basically. And I say this every week. I'm just, yeah, really excited to see Isan move up and hopefully he gets the championship in the bag within the next few races. And that'll be that'll be good. Yeah. I have to move on though to second place man this was actually a good race from him <laughs> we can't we can't take anything away from the second place man Dennis Foggia all things considered very good race weekend considering last weekend and hour gone will be a weekend he completely wants to forget and in Japan in mixed conditions Foggia puts it in second that's weird to me because usually when conditions change he's the first rider to lose his head and he can't adapt and we know he's not really a wet a wet weather rider I could almost get that out there but this weekend surprised me and I think the second place performance albeit he still lost out to Guevara it was a good performance from him and quite surprising I don't really have anything to add to that. <laughs> like, can you guys tell we are tired? <laughs> I, yeah, oh, I've lost God. the plot at this point. I've had two hours of sleep. I've been up since 10 a.m. yesterday. <laughs> oh, Lord. Rough. Okay, well, good job, Dennis. What do you, we'll move on. <laughs> Home hero, Ayumi Suzaki, put it on the podium. He's been really consistent the last few races. I think it's upsetting that he's had so much bad luck this season to take him out of title contention because I think he really would have been up there with the consistency that he has, you know, when he finds it. But he's just had a wee bit too much bad luck. But to be on the podium in your home race, a thumbs up for Suzaki, I think. I think, like, since Asen, he's, he's mostly found his form. Mm. Um taking that first Grand Prix win and then just completely like shattering the opposition in like the next few races to come yeah um honestly like if the if the championship was decided over the second half of the season I think he'd be clear mm. he'd be but, up there. I mean yeah definitely um but it is a shame that he kind of had the first half of the season played just played okay just played <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. It <laughs> was, was a shambles. It's all right. Oh, okay. And then the last person still in contention with a chance in the championship was Sergio Garcia. He finished fourth this weekend, which isn't a bad performance, but for the two guys that you're battling against to finish ahead of you, not really where you want to be. He's just been no. so out of it recently. Yeah. It's a lot more respectable than other races he's had. Yeah. Like, anyway. But he has got a Moto2 seed confirmed, right? Yes, he's yeah. moving up to Pawns next year <gasps> alongside Iron Cannon. Oh, that's an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where's Navarro going? I think uh, he doesn't have a seat, Su- right? He's going to World Supersport unofficially, yeah. I think. Okay, okay, okay. Let's stay in Moto3, though. I just <laughs> jumped classes there. I'm sorry. Um, Do you want to talk about how 
like Munoz. Well, I was gonna say it was actually quite a clean race from Munoz for once. <laughs> Unless I maybe just missed him going off on one, but he crossed the line. And I was like, hmm, he hasn't made anything too crazy. He hasn't got any long lap penalties, which I think is a bonus for him and a top ten finish, top five finish, oh. even better. Pretty good one for him. Yeah, maybe that was down to injuries. After the race, he did seem in a lot of pain. Like, you know, Fabio had on those, um, like, they look like basically huge plasters on yeah. his chest. I mean, um, Munoz also had that. So, really? Yeah. Oh, and uh, they showed her, like, a video of him after the race, and he seemed really in pain. He was, like, literally clutching his chest. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Maybe that's why he wasn't <laughs> didn't yeah. want to get in the gravel this time. Didn't want to get involved. Well, he made up eleven places in the race, so it was definitely one of his better performances. Then in sixth place we had Diogo Moreira, which again quite quiet from him, but a good yeah. performance. Very respectful. I mean, yeah. made up nine places. It's kind of all you can really ask for. Mm. Yeah, good... Munoz made up eleven. It's not a competition. It is. It what is do you mean it's not a competition? It literally is. <laughs> like, those two are kind We're of... We're not in Moto3 anymore. Maybe, maybe it's not like... about championship. <laughs> in my mind, these two, Moreira, no, yeah, Moreira and Munoz, are still, like, underdogs. I don't know why. Mm. It's because but... they're rookies. Yeah. In my mind, it's just... Oh, they are, like, fifth and sixth. That's pretty good. Mm. Um, Yeah. I think um, Marrera equaled his best finish in Moto3, which is really good. Is I think cool. normally he he like qualifies pretty well, but then he tries to battle with everyone like Foggia and Guevara, mm. and then ends up like burning his tires out or just getting pushed back so far, and then he's like nowhere really. So I think this was a bit more of a consistent race. Like he worked all the way up and stayed there. Yeah. Moving on then, John McPhee, seventh place. Not much to say about that one for me personally. He's kind of fighting for his life at this point. He's fighting for his career. Well, he's leaving at the end of the season, no matter what. It's what do you do? And we ha- we don't have a confirmation. Well, he's he's, he's, he's not he's not getting Moto Two, is he? I doubt it. Well, no. I don't know. Everyone seems to be leaving Moto Two, so. Oh, he wouldn't get a seat. I th- he'll go over to either World Supersport or because they were yeah. saying something about um. I can't remember who it was now. I'm not sure if it's McPhee or someone else in Moto Three getting the intact seat mm. because obviously Schrotter is not going to be there. I don't think is that confirmed? No, he's, he's leaving. It's confirmed that Schrotter is going to leave Moto. Yeah, par- apparently someone oh, nice. in Moto Three, yeah, and Akoba's not. Alcoba's not going to be there, is it? Going to well, I heard Darren Binder's. Yeah. Two seats. Yeah. Alcoba's going to Grassini, so yeah. that means both the intact seats are free. Hmm. Interesting. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm just not sure about John McBee. I yeah. expected a little bit more from him, just considering how experienced he is in this class and how little track time that they had. Now, I know it's been three years since anyone's raced here, but he has. Also, he knows it better than a lot of other people. But he knows this track. That's what I'm saying. Him, yeah. Fodja, 
Messiah, you know, the people who've been in this class for but, years now. But then, like, you look at it again, like, it's not it's not the, the argument we had in MotoGP where it was like, how many people hadn't raced at Mategi on a MotoGP bike? This mm. is how many people have raced at Mategi full stop. Yeah. So... I'm not even sure if we can, like, say anything about that because Guevara just hasn't even been to Mategi and has just won the race. Yeah, so that's like, how would like... you do that? Yeah, stormed it, yeah, but you, you, you kind of expect someone with experience will maybe be a bit more favourable around here. Yeah. At least. yeah, yeah, I think so. The rookies definitely shone through this weekend, I think. Yeah, I think that's the majority because the bikes have changed so much since mm-hmm. they've last been there. Like if they've changed manufacture or something from being on like KTM to a Honda or something, yeah. it's quite different. So maybe that just adds a bit more into the mix. Definitely. In eighth place, then we had Yamanaka. Ninth place was Andrea Mino. Tenth place was Ricardo Rossi. Eleventh was Artigas. Twelfth was Napa. Thirteenth Ortola. 14th for Asato, 15th Dennis Onshu. Now, this is a bit out of character for him to be so far down the order, but he had a big crash at some point in the weekend and he's actually injured his hand. Yeah, I think oh, it's nice, in, it was thing. in warm-up. Was it warm-up? I couldn't remember when it was, yeah, but I've I seen saw... a gruesome picture of his yeah. <laughs> pinky finger basically hanging off. So um, I think I saw someone tweet that um, Guevara should have got penalty, like unofficially, because apparently Guevara did something similar to what Unchu did. So... Well, Guevara I, was it McPhee. It was one of the Max Racing Team bikes. I'm nearly sure. And Guevara in warm up literally just rode into the back of him, but only took himself off. Didn't take uh, anyone else off, which okay, is maybe why I think is... that he yeah. didn't get a penalty. Yeah, I think Anchu didn't by itself then, but it was definitely a warm up. He definitely had a really big crash, yeah. and then I, how do you even do that just to one like your pinky finger? How did he like rip? Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like he ripped his whole <laughs> nail off. It's disgusting. Do I think it's Instagram? I think story. it does look a bit worse because they put like some something on it though. I think he's got. I don't know if they've stitched it or like what, iodine it was, or something. Yeah, it looks <laughs> looks so brown. Like just <laughs> it looks really yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. But um, also I wanted to point out that Yamanaka has been confirmed to have the Gas Gas Moto Three seat for next year, so he'll be taking um. Garcia's seat at the at the moment because obviously we're thinking that um Guevara is moving up to Moto two as well, so there'll be another free seat. Oh yes, I forgot about that. It's a weird move in my mind. Yamanaka. Yeah, I think gas gas. I think that is definitely he has definitely shown speed mm. in some rounds, but I think because the bike he's on is quite. It's like not one of the top bikes, really. Yeah. I think maybe this, like the Gas Gas team, they're an experienced team. I think that could be the thing. Maybe he'd be in for a shot of the championship next year. We never know. Yeah, you never know. This could be a step that he, he needs and then it could be a progression for him then into Moto2, MotoGP. You know, now we have a direct line up through Gas Gas. So it, it is interesting, to be fair. I thought they would favour rookies rather than taking sort of side steps but I am I am very intrigued to see how that one will go 
but moving on then we'll go back to the finishing lineup 16th was Bardellini 17th was Aji 18th was Fernandez 19th was Carrasco 20th was Scott Ogden and 21st was Toba. Now, I need to take a minute to talk about Scott Ogden. I think we all need to take <laughs> a couple oh. of minutes. Do we need a minute of silence? Just <laughs> yeah. sit through the pain. Scott Ogden was incredible on Saturday. He topped the timesheets in Q1, made his way to Q2, and then put it on the front row. And he started the race in second place. It was incredible. I have watched qualifying about four times now just to see him put it on the second row because it was so good and the conditions were wet and like I thought he was going to do well but I wasn't expecting him to do that well. Like, thank God it's finally Lauren's speechless. Yeah, I am. I'm just so glad that his luck changed until then yeah. went back to his luck being crap again. But... <laughs> You know, I think it'll, it'll be a good confidence boost for him to know that he does actually have the pace to be up at the front. Yeah, he even said himself he knew mm. um, when he got on the front row that on Sunday it was going to be a dry race and he knew he didn't have the pace in the dry. Mm-hmm. So I think he was probably just pushing a bit too hard to keep up with the people who he probably wasn't even like quicker than on um friday when it was dry yeah because he was quite far down on friday yeah i think Um, it was like 20th or something yeah and then i know he would have been praying for rain because i think if it had rained everyone was probably doing the rain dance in the garage but he had a bit of a he didn't crash but he definitely went into the gravel um Mm -hmm. and then rejoined the race but he the race was done for him then. He he was sort of circulating around the bottom end of the points, 13th, 14th, 15th, and then he just dropped off the timesheets. But he, he did finish the race in in 20th, albeit, you know, quite far behind everyone else. So disappointing that it ended the way it did for him, but I think there's a lot of positives for him to take out yeah. of this weekend. So I can't really say anything too bad about it. We're proud of you, Scott. <laughs> so we'll keep moving on. I'm surprised Harvey isn't fanboying right now, Mr. Why not? I'm I love not. Scott Ogden. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we'll move on to the crashes then. So, Jami Messia crashed. Did he? I can't oh, remember. It's four o'clock. <laughs> Me. Oh, he did. I live tweeted he had a this. Heist. Oh, um, my God, no, he did. I oh, yeah. He did. It was out of, like, third place. He was in the leading group, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. Oh, it was a bad crash. Yeah, he was literally in third place. Yeah. See, this is what we were ta- talking about earlier. Like, he's an experienced rider. He shouldn't be... Ha- he's been to Matigi before. He shouldn't be having crashes like this, mm. like, every other weekend. If he wants the championship, he can't do that. He's got to be like consistent even if you're not on the podium you still will be up there and how interesting is it now that he's going to be back with the leopard team next year like they're going to want consistency from him they're going to i think they think that he's going to come in and battle for the championship which he's not doing at the minute 
through switching back to Honda, is that going to change anything? Are they, are they really expecting him to fight for the championship? Like, is next year his year? I'm not it, too sure about that one. Just with the, I have no idea. There's too many rookies. There are an incredible rookies, but they are doing a very, very good job. Yeah. As well. Interesting. I don't know. Experience might not be experience might not be as, as favorable anymore. Uh, yeah, I think with the Moto Three, especially because everyone is just like crazy making moves all the time. <laughs> yeah, unless unless is at the front and spreads everyone out. Race. Yeah, literally. Okay. Well, now that we've remembered that Jamie did crash, we'll move on. Then we had a crash from Lorenzo Fellon. He had quite a few crashes this weekend, and. He's been limping about the place because he's had problems with his ankle and then he crashed at least three times, I can remember. Um, so not good for Fallon. We also had a crash from Carraro. Tatsuki Suzuki, home race. He started on pole position. I stuck him on my podium prediction, so I'm, I'm probably even more gutted. Disappointed. I'm annoyed for him just because it's his home race and he'd put a good lap in yesterday, obviously, to take pole. I thought he could have been battling for the podium. I wasn't he definitely be on could the podium, have. but I thought he'd be up there at least, not crashing out. Yeah, he could have. I mean, Foggia came second on the Leopard, so, and he, Suzuki was up there at the start. It was mm. just a, yeah, I don't really know what went on in his Similar head. Similar to Messia, it was just a weird one to be on. Yeah. Not really what we were expecting from those riders. Then we had a crash from Hamada. And then a crash from Danny Holgado. Um, Carlos Tatai crashed. Joel Kelso crashed. And Josh Watley crashed as well. I do feel quite bad for Josh Watley because this is the second week in a row that he's been taken out of the race. Unfortunate for him. You know, it wasn't really his fault. I can't remember who exactly it was that took him out. There was a few in the first few corners that all went down. So quite disappointing for Josh. I think he's found a lot of pace recently and he's definitely catching up to his teammate. So that'll be quite rough for him that he hasn't been able to battle in the races and show his potential as much as he would have wanted to. But hopefully in the next few rounds, he'll be able to to actually finish some races and, and show that he has got pace. Is that everything for Moto3? Am I missing something? Oh, um, it's been confirmed that um, Romano Fanati will be oh, yeah. going back to Snipers for next season. So that'll be interesting. I, want... I can't believe I forgot about that one. So we're assuming then that Alberto Sura is out. And I that don't know. Is you staying? Is Mino out as well? Are they both out? Well, we're not sure. Fanati's the only confirmation that we have. So we're not really sure whose seat he is taking. I would assume Sarah just based on performance, but then me you now is getting to the older age category. Like he's gonna get kicked out of Moto Three soon in the next year, two years. So do you put your time into the young rider or do you put your time into the experienced rider who is gonna have to leave the class? I'm not really sure. But yeah, I mean, Fanati, how back old racing. How old is the maximum age? Is it 27? 28. Oh, uh, yeah. So he'll have one more year. One more year? Oh, my goodness. That's wild. I did not realise he was that old. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I mean, you're not calling you old. But, but then, 
<laughs> also, that doesn't make any sense because Fanati is the same age as Mino. They're both 26. Really? Yeah. That's I'm pretty sure when Fanati moved up this year to Moto 2, that's why they everyone moved was up. like, oh yeah, that's he needs to move up because obviously he'd only have like three more two three or two more years if he'd stayed mm. in Moto 3. And That's... when you normally get them move up to Moto Two, you normally stay there, so you're okay for more years to yeah, come. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the way he got kicked out of the Boscos Girl Speed Up team was a bit ridiculous. You wouldn't wish that upon anyone to be kicked out after only six races. But in the same breath, you know, he's been banned from racing. He's pulled brake levers. He's, you know, he's crazy. He's literally crazy hit people like i don't know how he keeps getting seats in the money paddock. money yeah sponsors controversial people seem to like him be interesting though because snipers is a, a good team so yeah they actually just could put in like i mean arbolino nearly won the championship yeah. on that bike the only reason he didn't was because he sat next to a person with covid and then had oh. to isolate and didn't wow. even have COVID. Still bothers me to this day. <laughs> he lost out in the 2020 championship. Because of COVID. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a topic for another day. But yeah, you know that the Sniper's bike is a good bike. So we could see Finale up there. And we know he's a good Moto3 rider. So I actually think this yeah. would be a very interesting championship next year. Yeah, if they do keep Mina with Finale, I think it would be a bit strange. Because obviously they're both the same age. Mm. So they'd... And I'm guessing they'd only be there for one year. Cause can you ride when you're 28 in Moto 3? I don't think so. Yeah, so then sure. they'd only have one year because they're 26 now. They'd be turning 27 next year. Yeah. And then they'd be turning 28 in the middle of the in 2024 yeah. championship. Well, That's... not even in the middle. I think they're both born in January, so... Mm-mm. It's a weird one. But, yeah. So, Fanati's coming back into the championship. He's just had a little break away this season, but he'll be back again, somehow. Oh, but wait. That... That's a lie. You can race when you're 28, because oh, John you? is currently 28. Ah, so, they have two years in the championship. Years. I guess it's uh 29 and above. You can't race. Yeah, like the maximum age is 28 and then anything yeah. older. Okay, sorted. Well, glad we cleared that up so we know. But yeah, I think that's everything for Moto3. So we'll move on to Moto2. This race was quite interesting, but we'll start with the winner, I Agura, winning his home Grand Prix in incredible fashion. This guy was completely unstoppable today and he actually had a smile on his face and said that this was a great day because he's won his home Grand Prix. It, I mean, it has to be a good day if Iagur is smiling and is happy about winning the race. So happy happy faces everywhere in the whole yeah. museum. It's the first, like, is it the first person to win the Japanese Grand Prix since, like, 2009 16 years or something like that it's been apparently since the Japanese writers won in Japan oh not 2009 then 2000 and some number <laughs> definitely in the 2000s if Four. I can do maths no I can't 6 2006 <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. And it was his team, it's his team boss who last mm-hmm. one it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So that's pretty good. I mean, he just had a really great race. He made up 12 positions. Yeah. He'd started in 13th. And then all of a sudden, he was in the lead of the race, and he yeah. looked unstoppable. And he I was did like, it in, what's going on here? He did it in true Ogura fashion, yeah. like, not qualifying very well, but still coming through at the end I mean, of the race. None of the podium had qualified in the top ten. Oh, yeah. Which is mental. I've, yeah, I've, probably because the people who were leading the race crashed out, and then... Yeah. We'll get on to that one. <laughs> and then we were just left with... I'm glad we don't have Anik It's a bit... Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get on to that. I want to talk about the, the rest of the podium first. So finishing up in second place then was Augusto Fernandez. He just about holds on to his lead in the championship, but it's closed up to two points again at the top <sighs> of the Moodle2 championship. So it's got a bit crazy up there again. And... I mean, he did his best. You know, he couldn't do any more. He clearly wasn't going to catch Ayagura. So to finish second, I know he's losing out points, but he he definitely did the best effort possible. And this makes it very spicy. This could go the whole way down to Valencia. Yeah. I mean, is... what we know is that the championship is not going to be decided in Australia like no, Moto3. Definitely not. <laughs> I think it makes it so crazy. much more exciting. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win it, though? I do think Agura is going to win it. <gasps> I just have this thing that, like, he's now, like, won his home GP. He's just going to be on a high from now on. Yeah, and there's a but lot I of... think, like, Fernandez is going to be bringing the pressure because he's he's not, like, crashed out or anything. He's mm. still second, so he's right up there with mm-hmm. Agura. What if they finish one two for the rest of the race? Oh, this is then a girl will win. Yeah, no, but like in different orders, like it'll keep it like that's so entertaining. It'll be like three points, two points, three points. Yeah, I I could just imagine it going down to like a tie. You know what I mean? It's like and then it'll be like who's won the most races? Oh, you have, and you you get the the championship. That'd be so interesting. Who's taking what if they won the majors? What if they've won by that point? They've won the same amount of races. I think it goes to then like most second places. Yeah, the best. No, (laughs) I imagine it's like your best. That was decided. I think it would be like some massive logistics issue. Yeah, (laughs) I do think things. I'm not sure if Fernandez and I. Agura even going to be on the podium in Thailand because the weather is looking very uncertain at the moment. Oh, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm done so with the good, sessions. The wet weather session. Who are good wet wet weather riders? Well, my money's on um Chantra home race. I think he'll have to have it in the bag. Was he? He won in Indonesia. Oh, oh, Indonesia! Yeah, he won earlier this season in Indonesia. Oh, we're going to Thailand. And the fans Sorry, loved I'm so it. confused right now. Yeah, they loved him winning in Indonesia. So I think you know, no, it's actually his home race. I think he'll pull an Niagara, and no one will have an answer for him. Hopefully, and I hope I, I just really hope so because 
I really like Chantra, but he's mm. just had such an up and down season. Yeah, definitely. But finishing up the podium then was Alonso Lopez, who started 12th, looked really good during the race, actually. he, Him and Fernandez were actually battling the most, which was very interesting to watch because obviously Lopez has nothing to lose in this situation, but Augusto has everything to lose. So it was fun to watch them battle because you just knew that Alonso wasn't going to give up and there was some... Interesting overtakes, but it was all kept very clean in the end, yeah. which is good. But it was very, very fun to watch, and it got a bit nerve wracking. He was watching it. Le- he was leading the race for quite a bit, for yeah. quite a while. But the best overtake, I think, was the one where they were going down the straight, and Augusto was looking at Lopez, and Lopez was looking at Augusto, and it was like, <laughs> who's going to break the latest out of them? That's fun. I love that. Imagine both of them were just like, uh, go on then, who's going to break the latest? And then they just keep going. That'd be funny. Um, then fourth place man, Jake Dixon. Back on form, I think, after the heartbreak in Aragon last weekend where he crashed out of sixth place. He put it in third in qualifying, but he wasn't too sure that he had the pace. So I think to put it in fourth, is really good for him and I think he'll be quite quite chuffed with that result. Yeah. I mean like after after what two consecutive DNFs mm. you kind of need a result. And yeah. I think that's the kind of result he's looking for. Once we get to the once we get to the other flyaways, I think hopefully it's just be getting a little bit of consistency. At this point, I don't think he's in a place to be fighting for fighting for wins or anything like that. He's just he just needs to like be consistent for the rest of the year and just realise that he's done a good job. Yeah, he's had a great season. That's the thing. Like if you compare his season this year to last year, even he's made a massive step up. He's taken what four podiums is it now? Yeah. You know, this the step up has been incredible. I think next year he'll step up even more. I think wins or probably more likely next season, which is disappointing because we all thought he was going to win a race this season, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And I think he could be on the podium again before the end of the season, but I'd struggle to see it being a win. If that's fair. <laughs> we'll Maybe. hope for it. Yeah. He, then, he said on the grid as well that he didn't feel like he had the pace and the work. Like, obviously, um, Quali was in the... No, I mean, he didn't have the pace in the dry because yeah. Quali was in the wet. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe <laughs> next week, if, if, the Thai, if the Thai Grand Prix is looking a little bit... Yeah. Know, if... We've got to all do the rain dance so Scott and Jake, like, get on the podium. <laughs> Scott and Jake Every win. time it's forecast to rain, though, at GP, it doesn't rain on race day. Very so it's rain. mixed conditions. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we'll move on to the fifth place man, which is Somcat Chantra. Obviously, we mentioned him slightly earlier that we're now going to his home round in Thailand. But a fifth place finish is good from him. Like we said, he's had a very up and down season, so solid performance will be good heading into next week. Then in sixth, we had Tony Arbolino. I'm slightly disappointed by Tony Arbolino this week. I'm not going to lie. He he hasn't ridden in 
Japan on a Moodoo 2 bike. He had rode there in Moodoo 3 in 2019, but he'd qualified fourth, and I don't know what, I just expected him to be up there, and he looked fast at the start of the race and then sort of just slipped back the order as the race went on and a top 10 finish I will always say is a good performance but we've seen Tony win races we've seen him get on the podium and I think that's just completely slipped away from him in the second half of the season and I'd like to see him step this game up again I think yeah I think like this season kind of has slipped away from him like he was performing. He was performing at the start. He obviously took that win at Kota, um, mm. that, that crazy race. But um, it kind of has slipped away from him. He has been like most for the most part just quiet. Yeah. So I don't know. I I wasn't expecting anything special. But I was kind of hoping for something special. Just a just a little bit more. The more we're getting. Yeah. yeah. Kind of I think maybe next year he'll be. I hope they're so. better. Like, yeah. like you were saying with Jake. Obviously, last year he was on, um, with the Intact team. So, and they won. He wasn't exactly getting higher than top tens. I think. Yeah. I think he was more like fifteenth, sixteenth last year. So, from where he was last year to now, he's really improved because normally he's always in the top ten. Yeah. True. Yeah. I suppose when you look at it that way, definitely him and Jake are in a very similar position right now which I think going into next year could be fun for the championship because there's more and more names being added to the hat for next season of who's going to be up there so very interesting Uh, another name who I think is going to be up there next season is the seventh place man Pedro Acosta I say it was a quiet race from him but he did make up 11 positions in the race but that's light work for for Pedro Acosta to be honest I mean, yeah. how does he do it's it? What? It's all you can ask of him, like, yeah. really. He he did the job. Yeah. Yeah. He, what he needs to work on is wet weather riding mm. because his qualifying was really bad, let's be honest. He qualified in... Why does he... I can't even see his name. <laughs> yeah, like... It's just from where he was last weekend to qualifying 18th. I think that's his him being a rookie showing yeah. a bit. Obviously, he's never raced here before. Oh, and... yeah. I completely forgot that. <laughs> it feels like he's been in this class for like not forever, forever. but like, yeah. it feels like forever because this season feels like a million years. Yeah, I think that's just because this day has felt like a million years long. <laughs> Sorry for the delirious chat. Um, Then in eighth place, we had Albert Arenas. Good for him to actually finish a race. I know that sounds horrible, but he's been up there so much recently and then just crashes out of the podium positions, top five positions. And I'm overall quite disappointed in him this season, but he is linked to move to... KTM next year to the IO squad in Moodoo 2 so that could be very interesting and it is only his second year in the class so I can't hold too much against him but for this race it was a good performance definitely then in ninth we had Bo Ben Snyder 
10th was Philip Salach, 11th was Cameron Bobier, 12th was Joe Roberts, 13th was Marcel Schroeder, 14th was Barry Balthus, 15th was Dalaporta, 16th was Vanden Gerberg, 17th was Ahada, 18th was Kubo, 19th was Kelly, and 20th was Ramirez. Done. Then we have the crashers in Mudo 2. We had a crash from Alcoba, Navarro, Antonelli, Vietti, which are we surprised at this point, um, Zucone, Corsi, and then we didn't have Gonzalez or Lowe's starting. But the two crashes that I want to mention are probably the two most important crashes of the race. And I'll start with Fermin Aldeguer. Fermin had qualified second. They then t- took the lap time away from him and he was demoted back to P6, I think. And mm-hmm. then later on in the evening, they reinstated his lap time. So he did start the race on the front row. Just adding a little bit of confusion to everyone's weekend. I woke up very delirious. Well, I didn't even go to sleep, so I don't know why I'm saying I woke up. I looked at the race and went, why is he starting P2? I thought he was starting P6. I don't know. Very, very confusing. But yes, he did get his lap reinstated. But opening few laps, he looked good. He looked strong. And then he just, I think it was a silly error on his behalf. I think he was just pushing too hard. He hasn't really been up there in these top positions as much as I know he would want to be. But I think he just panicked. And, you know, when that happens, you make these silly mistakes. And unfortunately took him out of second place yeah obviously he qualified second in the wet but on Friday he wasn't very fast either so this is like the thing with mixed conditions on Saturday and Sunday it's very hard to tell who's actually going like, to win or be on the podium because mm. they've qualified in the wet but now it's dry yeah but yeah I think it's a real shame but you do like I think people have to realize that yes Lopez came third but also Lopez has a lot more experience than Fermin like Fermin is only 17 still Mm -hmm. yeah and Lopez has is 20 so he has three more years experience like yeah maybe not three more years because obviously he hasn't been racing like last year, I think he's older. He's just got a you know yeah. an older head and his shoulders, and I think a lot of people forget that Firmino's only seventeen years old. Some people can deal with the pressure, and some people need time to adapt. And I think Firmino's one of those people who needs the time to grow into it. I think he's going to be a fantastic rider. It's just he he's a slow burner. It's like Luca Marini in MotoGP. He you know he's getting there. It's that. He needs to build the momentum. He had a good race in Aragon. He was set to have a good race this weekend. And it it was just the silly mistakes. But he'll learn from that. And he's inexperienced in this class. And I think, you know, he's not going to make those mistakes again, sort of thing. I would hope anyway. Then, I don't know how to say this because everyone's going to hate me for saying this. The last crash that we have to talk about is Aaron can it he bend it in p1 he was leading the race he had a 1.8 second lead and he bend it 
again, this isn't the first time we've seen Aaron Cannot do this. When is he ever going to win a Moto 2 race? That sounds so horrible, but it's true. Are we going to see Cannot win a Moto 2 race? No. Does anyone know at this point? Probably. It's getting a bit ridiculous at this point, I think. Why was he pushing so hard with a 1.8 second lead? He literally could have dawdled for the rest of the race and he still would have won it. Like, I mean, he has the experience. He knows, like, if your pit board says 1.8 seconds, you don't yeah. keep pushing. Yeah. You, like, you think, all oh, right, I've got a lead. I don't need to push as much. I just need to maintain the gap because mm-hmm. if I stay here, I'm clearly going to win the race. Yeah. But he didn't do that. And we talk about, for me, making, you know, rookie mistakes. He's young. What's Aaron Cannon's excuse for the mistake that he made today? We've seen him crash out in America when he was in the lead of the race he I mean I just don't get it he's finished second place six times what is it about when he gets that track like clear track ahead of him then he just goes oh I'm just dumps it down the road it makes no sense and and BT Sport commentators actually said it perfectly earlier they had said why does he make this big elaborate thing with the bow tie and now everyone wants to know what the bow tie story is you know, you make this whole big thing about it and then you don't deliver and you can't win a race. It just, it's a bit silly now because I'd love to know what the bow tie story is, but I think it just makes him look a bit silly that he's made this whole big elaborate thing and now can't win races. Yeah. Sorry, Alec and Jules. <laughs> but you don't hear to defend just... yourself, so. How long has he been in? in um moto two like two or three years now Mm, has to be about three and he still hasn't won a race and he's on a bike that can win races Mm. like because he's been second he's been in the lead he was in the lead today yeah yeah like the bike clearly has the it had the outright pace it just yeah i literally have no words he hasn't got the bottle I just don't know what he's the Johan Zarco of <laughs> two. Like, it's just... like it, he is though because like everyone's like, oh, Zarco's gonna win. We're gonna see a backflip, but then no. the backflip never comes. But to be fair, and the bow tie story is never gonna come. The thing with Johan Zarco's backflips is that he was so dominant in Moto Two. He's in a backflip bloody every weekend. He's won two championships. We know that Johan Zarco can win races. But just not a MotoGP. I don't think we've seen that. Well, we obviously haven't. Can it doesn't have two world championships to his name. You know, I think it's just so mad that he's created this whole big elaborate thing and now I can't back it up. Yeah. It's just crazy because, like, we've had people, like, Acosta's one, he's mm. 18. Yeah. Well, he wasn't even 18 at the start of this year. He's 17. We've had Lopez come in. Like halfway, not even halfway through the season, come in and he's gonna race. Like, yeah, can it was meant to be fighting for this championship, he was fighting for the championship, but now it seems like there is no championship hope for him because he's had too many offs. And he's when he's been in the lead, when he could have scored 25 points and he scored zero instead, mm. yeah, <laughs> it boggles my mind, really. It'll be interesting to see, though, if within the next year 
to two years, he's going to want to move up to MotoGP. But if he can't win races, what MotoGP team is going to sign him? Uh, he's not on anyone's radar, though, let's be real. Well, I, I, think I thought he was on he... Aprilia's radar, and then he fluffed up this season. You no, know, you think, like, maybe in about two years' time, there's going to be a lot of contracts up. Mm. And there's always that one team that kind of makes a move that you kind of question. I feel like that could be Aaron Canet. But think of the people who are going to be, like, we don't even know who's going to be up there in two years' time. We have a rough idea that it'll probably be Pedro Costa, Firmino Aldeguer, Tony Arbolino. Maybe some of the Moto3 lot from now. Agura, yeah. Guevara will be there. Garcia will be there. Well, If Guevara does not get moved up, Guevara will be a MotoGP world champion. We're calling it now. But that's that's besides the point. Um, Him and Pedro Costa, 10 years time. That's who will be battling for the championship. 10 years. I don't think it's even going to be 10 years. I think more like five years. Let Fabio have a bit of a chance. (laughs) He can win five championships. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Well, there you go. But yeah, I think just with the names that are about cir- circulating at the same time as Canada and obviously yes the names that are moving up is he actually going to be on anyone's radar what MotoGP team would sign him when you've got young kids that can win races your rivals in this class can win races yes he's consistent in the sense that you know he can finish in second place but you don't want to finish in second place you want someone who can win races so unless he changes his mindset but I did brush over um, Gonzalez and Sam Lowe's not starting the race. Gonzalez had a massive crash on Saturday in the wet conditions. He had a big high side. It had to be red flagged. He did get up and and walk away as such, but it was a massive impact. So we're not really surprised that he did not start the race. Sam Lowe's, on the other hand, has just come back from a shoulder injury. He had been off the pace all weekend was expected to race though he was there you know wanting to compete he also had a big high side he didn't injure himself any further but the team and himself made the decision to not participate in the race um sam seemed quite annoyed by that decision even though he said it was a team decision but i think the team just didn't want them to hurt his shoulder any further even though the crash hadn't caused any injury i just you know, you don't want to take that risk sort of thing. He's still got four races left this season. I think it was a wise decision not to push him any further than they needed to. So that's the explanation why those two didn't start. But I think that is everything now for Moto 2. And finally then, the Premier Class. I'm quite surprised by this podium in in general. Like one of the weirdest podiums I've ever seen. I'm not mad not about it. it. It's, it's a good first... good mix of people, but it's, it's not what I was Japanese... expecting. It's the first Japanese Grand Prix where a Japanese manufacturer hasn't stood on the podium. <gasps> All European bikes. I didn't even True. realize that. The first Japanese Grand Prix ever. I didn't oh. know that. That's crazy. Like that's not a stat I had. Like on the top of my head. Interesting. I wrote it off Twitter, and that's basically my only fact. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you just take that one as your own, then sorted. Harvey definitely came up with that one. He'd noticed it. He hasn't stolen it off Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, so Jack Miller has won in Japan. This is his first win of the season. Obviously, he took two wins last season. Um, but we haven't seen him win since, what is it, Le Mans 2021? He's been on the podium plenty of times, mind you. But the fashion that he won this race, like, Dominant doesn't even cover it. He was in a complete league of his own. Untouchable. This is how Aaron Callan should have rode the Moto 2 race. But, <laughs> I mean, we've already spoken about that one. But uh, I am surprised, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. Did anyone hear Jack's after his interview? He was like, yeah, I just wanted to show everyone I can still ride a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. He's just so funny. Like, he's well, a funny guy. Well, like, it's nice to see him. He's He's got no pressure on his shoulders, realistically. Like, yeah. He's heading, he's heading off to KTM, like, next year. He's um He's got nothing to owe Stakati. He's got nothing in the championship fight. He can just ride his own way. Yeah. Obviously, he is a team player. And if Peko is there... He'll he'll move aside. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. We've seen it before. He definitely Peko, rides. Peko wasn't there. No. So it was effectively nowhere, really. Well, yes. We'll get onto that one though, because I have a lot to say about that um, one. But yeah, I mean, like he was kind. Of, he was in a league of his own, really. Like he was making the same. He made the same overtake about three times. Yeah. On... He overtook two people at one point. In yeah, it was um, Marquez and. Binder? Bin, was it Binder or Oliveira? Oliveira. Oh, Oliveira. Yeah. Then he over to Binder the next the next lap. And then Martin, he almost didn't get past, but he held on and then he just basically just cruised off. Yeah, his lap times were incredible. He was... Yeah. I, I don't really have much to say about it, to be honest. Like, I think... Well, the thing is, I think, like... And we'll obviously get on to Binder in a sec. But, like... Should KTM like fix a couple mm. struggles? Like this is a good team, definitely, this is definitely. An incredible team. Because yeah, Brad Bender, Jack Miller's new teammate, finished in second place. The KTM's can do it. This is the thing. We know the bike struggles, but I think if they just tweak a few things. They could be up there next season. I feel like we say this every year, though. Yeah, <laughs> because they, they could tweak a few things, and <laughs> yeah. then it comes to the first race of the season. They win the race, or like Binder yeah. was up there at Inktar. Yeah, the first two and... races they had like two podiums. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember us being like, "Oh, KDM could be on or something"? <laughs> we look like clowns. <laughs> mm. But there is something there. There's clearly something there, and I mean, Brad Binder is incredibly talented also which helps massively but i think moving into next year jack miller and brad bender being teammates and if they make those few little tweaks to the bike i think it could be quite an unstoppable force they're very similar characters i think they'll get on very well and it's a team i will definitely be looking at a lot next season uh, i think as well because like brad stuck on the front row which is mm. incredible seeing as his qualifying is 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 not great, bad, yeah. But like, obviously, in in an unconventional qualifying, he stuck it on the front row, and like, you could kind of say like, if he's got that position, he's come from way back before. Like, if he's got that position, like, he was well on for the win, like on paper. Mm. Um, but then Jack just went on one. So, 
I think second's probably the best he could have done. And um, I mean, he overtook uh, Martin with a couple couple corners to go. So he won that battle out. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of the best result he could have got from that. Definitely. I think he has the confidence. Like, we all know he's a fantastic rider. And it just goes to show that when he gets his qualifying right, albeit it was tricky conditions on Saturday, but when the qualifying is right, podium, easy. You know, like, he's never a Saturday man, but I hope that things can change going into next season, that he finally can put it together and qualifying and qualify a bit higher up because he gives himself all this work to do on a Sunday. And, you know, he can only just about get into the top 10 or maybe top six. And if he just qualified better, you know, he'd be up there. But (laughs) it was still... A good result and like Harvey said he overtook Jorge Martin with a couple corners to go It that was quite a fun battle to watch on track in fairness because Martin was definitely not giving up on that one but he had to settle for third in the end which is a very very good result for him and I think it's good considering his run of luck recently and the fact that obviously he lost out on the factory Ducati seat I know that will have hurt big time you know because in my mind, that's probably the only opportunity that he has to ride for the factory Ducati team. Gone, maybe. So that would have been a hard pill to swallow, definitely. So I think sticking it on the podium. I'd, I'd say as well, like, and I'm like, obviously I said the same thing for Jack, but he's got no pressure on his shoulders. Like, mm. he he lost his opportunity because Bashini this season has been miles clear. Yeah. Martin, he's got no pressure on his shoulders. He doesn't need to be conservative. He doesn't need to uh, basically just think about the future. Mm-hmm. He can just go ahead and attack. He can just think in the short term. Yeah. Because we've, we, we, we've four races left, and, like, ultimately, he could go up, snatch, like, two more podiums, maybe. Mm, exactly. Yeah, he's got nothing. Yeah, him and Jack are very similar. They've got nothing to lose. When you're not in the championship fight, you know, he's... Martin's not moving teams. He's gonna, you know, he's got that security now that he will be in Pramac for a year or two years. So especially because he's like, because he's comfortable in the team as well. Yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be a big thing. You know, he's not having to make any big changes or anything like that. And yeah, I could see him up there in the next few races for sure. Flyaways always bring surprises. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now fourth place man is quite a surprise to me but I have to command this guy very thoroughly I don't know what I'm saying anymore but uh, Mark Marquez this is the return that I expected from Mark Marquez we will put last weekend in Aragon away pretend it didn't happen and we'll take this as Mark's comeback because this is more like the old Mark Marquez albeit it's fourth place he did start on pole, which was incredible fashion, but we know he can do those one-off laps even with his arm. So this was the real test of of his arm. You know, was he going to fatigue during the race? Was he going to have a lot of pain? But he didn't fatigue during the race. He looked happy after the race. He didn't really report of much pain unless they're maybe lying to us. But uh, he seemed very happy after the race, which I think would indicate that things are going very well for his recovery and getting back on form. And he was great. 
Yeah, I mean, like, we knew that he wasn't going to stand a whole race distance mm. at the front. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe, I, I think he said, like, I think I heard somewhere, you know, the first 10 laps, he was, he, he felt strong, and kind of the last 10, he kind of felt drop off. But at the end of the day, just missing out on the podium, you know, it, it, it's still a good sign from him. And I think he's unlucky not to at least be on the podium this season, um, even with some of his performances, like mm. pre-surgery. Um, you know, obviously, um, Qatar and obviously at Kota, he obviously had a, a, a mistake at the start. Yeah. But he was on pace. He was on form that weekend. So I think it's unfortunate. And we're obviously heading into rounds that, even could favor him due to just outright pace and experience experience yeah that's the big thing that might, be, that might be the deciding factor in this um especially at somewhere like um well i'd say i'd say uh, burnham next weekend mm. he could have an upper hand um but i don't know uh, I, i'd like to see him on the podium at least this season i think he deserves it and obviously he's is he still the top honda yes which is mental, seeing as he's just he's missed half the year. Honda has a problem. Honda has a problem, really? and it's Mark Marquez shaped. <laughs> That's what their problem is. No, um, but I, the um, BT were talking to Marquez's crew chief afterwards, and they were basically just saying, you know, what they've done in in twenty twenty two is obviously not worked, mm-hmm. but have a rider like Marquez who's not only extracting everything out of the bike, but he can also give good feedback and can also give um, a lot of input into the bike. You you kind of need a Marquez in that situation. And I, yeah. I really, for his sake, I really do hope Honda fall out of their slump. It, it is Honda's slump because of their riders, which is a massive question for Mark Marquez. Now, I'm saying it is that this is a like as a positive for them for Mark to be the only person who can ride the bike just goes to show that his experience and his talent and him being able to work with the team to say what's going right and what's going wrong like he's hopped back on this bike not even full fitness now quite a few times and has proved that the bike is not as bad as what we've been told it is you know, and not he's not even a hundred percent fit, and he's put it in fourth place. He started on pole. Is the bike that bad? I don't think so. I actually think you need to be looking at the riders. It's. I think it's just that the bike is Marquez shaped, and that might be the problem. Like I think, after all this time, if it's still Marquez shaped, they're crazy. Well, the thing yeah, but is, I thought like they change it to, to to get get it away from Marquez shaped. I mean, if anything, the bike last year was technically more Marquez shaped, and all the other riders did even better with it. Yeah, like what, like on German stream, what you keep hearing from from Bradl, who obviously works for them, is that they are just struggling um to basically ride the bike that is so tailored to Mark Marquez that they don't know what to do and now that he was gone they didn't know how to fix it yeah like the team didn't know where to start because it wasn't working for all the other guys 
Paulo Spargo was on the podium in Qatar, wasn't he, at the start of the year? Yeah. Mm. It's been really good. strange how he literally dropped like a stone. Yeah, and I mean, he was on the podium in Mizano last year too. Like, Paul has had an overall disappointing Honda experience, but there has been proof that things could have been very, very different. Like, when he signed that contract, I thought that he was going to battle for the championship. I, I was genuinely like, yep, yeah, this is going to be Paul Spagro's championship. And that just did not happen. I thought him and Marquez, obviously with the injury, you know, no one can help that. But I think I thought Paul, yeah, was going to be up there. And I don't know, because LCR is obviously the satellite team, but they're having issues too. They don't really want to change their riders, but at the same time, they didn't give Alex Marquez much of a chance. Paul Spargo's had his two years, and now he's out. Now they're bringing Johan Mir in. It's it's very interesting, I think, now next year, actually having someone who's won the championship, albeit, yes, on a different bike. But will this change anything? Will they listen to Mir? If Mir has suggestions to change the bike? I think it'll be very. They might be a bit unsure as to where to go, like what direction to take this project. Yeah. Like that's what what Bradl said as well that Honda, like the atmosphere in there must be like very tense, and they don't really have a direction to go, and that's the main problem. They don't know what the next step is. Yeah. I think, as well, bringing in two experienced riders in both Rins and Mir who have worked well at Suzuki. I mean, Mir's a world champion on that Suzuki as well. Yeah. They've brought in two experienced riders, two riders who have worked really well, and they're going to want to they're going to want to improve Honda as well. I think they're going to get a lot of input mm. on the bike as well. And I think hopefully things shouldn't get lost in translation. Yeah. I, I, I've i actually only put that together now that both Suzuki riders are going to Honda. That's very interesting. Fifth place then was Miguel Oliveira, the other factory KTM up there. Well, That's how you know that this was a good weekend for KTM. But this is what I'm saying. Like, I also I think this went very under the radar with mm. Miguel because obviously a lot of the focus on Binder, who had a cracking weekend. And even if he didn't win, he had a, a very, very good race. Yeah. But... Miguel was up there fighting. Like he qualified in eighth, made up three positions. Great weekend for the KTM's. Well, for the factory KTM's. Um, yeah. But no one's got to fix it. Um, so fair play to them. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much else to say other than well done for both of them. It was great. And I hope that they can keep this form for the rest of the flyaways now because. It's interesting, makes things more exciting. So funny how you call them flyaways. I've never heard that before. Well, yeah, because we're not in Europe anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes sense, but flyaways for me is like hair, like baby hair just sticking out of your Oh, yeah, we would still, yeah, no, we would still say that. That's, but because we call them like overseas, it's just overseas races. Mm. For yeah. us, I guess. So I was like, flyaways? What? what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> piece it together. It took me a minute. I'm too tired. 
Okay, yeah. let's go on. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. Sixth place man, Luca Marini. I'm just going to praise Luca Marini, I think, for the rest of his career, to be honest. The man can do no wrong in my eyes. He is just getting better and better. He had a pretty rubbish qualifying. He qualified in 10th. He definitely had potential to be higher up there. We know he definitely has race pace, considering he's finished the last two races in 4th. To finish 6th, he looked racy. He almost had Oliver actually on the last few corners, but that was a fun battle to watch. But, you know, we've seen him progress. He's got the pace. We've seen him now battle with the likes of Oliveira. You know, we know now that he can do overtakes as well and be under pressure. He's just, he just gets better and better every week. I, I, you, you talk a lot, like, off camera about his podium and, like, when it's coming... I don't know, like, if we get a very Ducati track, maybe like Malaysia, mm. I'd see maybe Marini podium at, towards the end of the season. I want it to happen. I predicted it for the last three weekends now and the I, I, it happens. <laughs> like, Buranam, like, it would be cool. It's got a lot of, it's, it's got a lot of big straights, but... Mm. And again, I Marini and wet weather, I don't really see it happening. You never know. We haven't seen much. We haven't seen many races that have been wet. So we're really no, not sure. I mean, we've had a we've had a few flag to flags in the last few years, but not that he's been involved in though. No. Not really. Well he's he's it's Too only his second year. Yeah, there well, you go. Austria Austria, he was good in Austria last year, sure, because he didn't pit to change tires, he was one of the few that stayed out on slick. Oh yeah, no, he finished fifth then. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, that that race was just chaos. <laughs> incredibly, yeah. Um, I don't know. Someone like I, I, I'll bet on him getting a third place in Malaysia early. Hmm. I'm just going to protect him on the podium for the rest of the season. I've decided because just if I manifest it enough, it'll happen. <laughs> he's getting there. I bet he's. Gonna be up there next season, I think. And that's a bold prediction. Never mind you prediction for, yeah. for Malaysia. I'm, I think next season could be another massive step up for him. He'll he'll still be on a GP twenty two. Which is a good bike. It, it, all the Ducatis are good bikes. Well, yes. Um, but you know, he'll 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 still be on this year's bike next year. But it suited him. It mm. really has. You know, maybe we might see, not maybe to the extent, but like Enea Bastianini's kind of taken yeah. the GP21, like a Dr. Water. Like, Marini's had an extra year on this bike as well, so maybe. Well, yeah, because that's what he needs. He needs time, and I think to get another year on the same bike. He made a jump from a 2019 bike to a 2022 bike this year, and now he's going to have another year on the same bike. I think that's only going to benefit him. I don't see Ducati making that big of a step for the GP23 bike. So I think this is going to be really good for him and I think he needs that stability and yeah, I may call it early and it may come back to bite me. But... He's got another year to grow. I, I, I'd i say like not, obviously not to the extent that Enea's had, but he'll have a quite successful season next yeah. year. Maybe a race yeah. win. Actually no, I'll say definitely a race win, but yeah. don't come back to this podcast like in a year's time. Yeah. 
don't yeah don't come back <laughs> don't hunt us down and come back if this prediction doesn't go go down well but yeah no it was a good race and that's he's on the the right the right way then in seventh was maverick vinales now people might come at me for this one i'm slightly not disappointed because i think maverick vinales has done incredible this season but after his podium in wherever it was that he got his podium he's been saying that he's gonna win races every weekend he's like i'm gonna come to this track and i'm gonna win and i'm gonna be really racy and really fast and he hasn't he hasn't backed that up so he got the podium and everyone thought this is it but now he hasn't done anything to he's had three podiums doesn't he he's had Assen, silverstone and mizano okay that's such a lie I thought he'd only had one anyway I meant race wins is what I'm trying to say like he hasn't done any I don't think he's made another step like he said he was going to no but then again I don't think Aprilia have been on form recently Mm, at least he's had it unlucky but at least he's had it unlucky Aragon could have been better but obviously Mm -hmm. has had his his first crash of the season yeah and then he was involved in well he wasn't involved in but he had to take evasive action obviously because of the the two crashes that happened so in the starting corner that was an unlucky weekend but I'd say again the Aprilia looks good in most in most tracks so, whether I don't know, I, I maybe another podium might come. I don't know. Mm. I feel like I'm just being hopeful for everyone at this point. But um, the optimism. I wish. Oh, might I do it? Yeah. If if he gets to a to a good track by the end of the year, then maybe another podium, not a win, but just. Just don't say you're going to win races unless you're 100% certain that you're going to. Because I it's, mm, just don't, yeah, just don't say that. Because then when you do win a race, you can be like, no, oh, I've known it all along. You know, I was going to win races. It was only a matter uh, of time. Five years time. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Eighth place then. A weekend that Fabio Quattararo is probably going to want to forget pretty quickly not as bad as last weekend mind you no, obviously i'd say it's it's it was a bit of a strange race like in the title fight mm. he was still the top finisher out, the, of the, yeah. out of the big out of the three that are fighting for the title but it's not a great race but he has still extended his lead yes so he Came into the race, this race with only 10 points between him and Peko Bagnaia. He leaves this race with an 18-point lead over Peko Bagnaia and a 25-point lead over Alicia Spagaro. He, I think, has made good of a bad weekend just by being consistent. He, I know for a fact, will want to have finished a lot higher up to gain more points but that just was not on today he it's disappointing because in free practice sessions he gets the most out of the bike but then when you put it into a race scenario when you've got all these Ducatis and Aprilias there's just 
nothing that he can do. He already puts 150% into every race weekend. And it's so disheartening to see that even when he puts 150% in, there's nothing that you can do to make that um, Yamaha any faster. And it's so obvious, especially in tracks that we've got coming up where there's big, long straights and they suit Ducatis, that mm. he just doesn't have the speed. And no matter how much effort he puts in... I think, it obviously, MotoGP's evolved since 2019. Mm. But, you know, obviously, he was he was fighting for the win in, in, in Thailand three years ago. That might that might help him in that regard. Mm. Uh, Phillip Island has always been kind of a... Yeah ground for Yamaha as well so it might not be as bad as you think I think Malaysia he's he's he's, he's finished but <laughs> um maybe the next two races he might this might be kind of his opportunity to kind of put the championship to bed I bloody hope so just tuck it in. <laughs> he's this is the thing he's got his hands on it obviously because you know he's the reigning world champ and Alicia and Peko both just have a wee hand on it as well. The thing you just, is, you just love them he, just to take a few he's wee got, fingers he's got off. Five and... fingers on it, like, and Alicia and Peko are showing the other five. So, yeah. I think it's, I think Peko is gonna take his hands off pretty quickly because he's in his crash season again. I, I, I think with Peko, it, it all depends on like these. I think it depends on Thailand, and I think it depends on Malaysia because that's the that's the races he's going to be expected to win. Yeah, and he doesn't do that well when he's expected to win. Like he had, I don't know how many four wins in a row or five or something. Four, yeah. And I think, do you know from Bad MotoGP memes the Peko the Banyaya cycle? <laughs> the cycle, do you know yeah. That? Yes. We are in the crash phase. Like, yes, well, we've just left the dominance phase, clearly. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen this, please go follow Bad Motor GP memes and you'll you'll know what we're talking about then because the, the picture, it's just a wee diagram. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, but yeah, I was going to talk about it. Well, I suppose now it's the best time to talk about it because Peko Bagnaya was also having a very, very bad race, all things considered as to how great he's been recently he was down in 10th and then he was up to 9th he didn't even make a move on Fabio Quattararo and well, he touched he was, the front and away he went he was, into the gravel yeah Pecco just had a bad weekend he can't he didn't qualify in the wet he he was poor in the wet um and then Anaya kept him behind because Anaya's just going to do whatever he wants um the team orders and then he he just he lost the front. Like we're seeing twenty twenty one Peko come back. Like at this point last year, yeah, it would be the, yeah because there was three races left. Yeah, so we're pretty much similar yeah, to where we were last year. It's interesting because he made some stunning moves on an air Bastianini. The two of them, you can tell. I think there has been words just going off. Um. Tordotzi's reaction to Anaya overtaking Peko. Um, so there's definitely been words, and I think Anaya's ignored them just based off of that alone. Um, he should. Mm. Well, sorry, yeah, but... he should because you don't even ride for the factory team yet. So team orders are stupid as well. I mean, you should never. They have enough time orders. to like, rip off that contract. <laughs> yeah. Or hey, you've got the suit. Um, 
Yeah, but the two of them were having stunning battles the whole way through the race. And then Pecco gets to Fabio. And like every other time this season that Pecco and Fabio have come, we go, they're going to battle. This is it. We're going to see it. Pecco crashes. We've seen it in Germany. We've seen it bloody nearly every weekend. It's just ridiculous that... It's just Fabio's like aura. What? Like Fabio's presence. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, I... There's something about it. Like, he literally looks like the best rider out on track. And then you get Fabio Quadraro in front of him and he talks to the front. When was the last time we seen Pecco make a mistake? Since Saxon Ring. I was about to say Saxon Ring. Yeah. Um, has he... He hasn't DNF since, has he? No. Then... He had a 91-point deficit to Fabio Quattararo in Saxon Ring. And now he has... Well, he had 10 points. No, 18. But, But, like, that's still an incredible recovery. Like, if if Pecco dominates the last four races and wins the championship, I reckon, like, this is one of the greatest comebacks in... Yes, I mean, obviously he still has a chance, but just for the fact that he's now dumped it down the road, I just, obviously mathematically he has a chance. There's only 18 points in it, but... He'd break the Banyaya circle of doom. He would. Yeah, I just, there's something about it that I, maybe because we have seen it before last season and maybe I'm playing too much into last season, I just don't see Paco getting over this now and it's so clear that if Fabio Quattraro is the person ahead of him he's gonna make a mistake yeah it's as simple as that and that's a massive thing to come over can he get over that in the next four races because like you said conditions are going to be mixed next weekend possibly so he's had a problem in the wet this year like he's you know we, we obviously saw in Indonesia like he was literally nowhere yeah race weekend you know he he was he was 12th in qualifying and it, it's not even like he had an incident he was genuinely just bad yeah it it's going to be very interesting coming into the last few rounds now because we are in this in the cycle of things we're at the he's throwing it away again so it'll be very very interesting to see but we'll move on for now i think we've touched enough on it. yeah for now um as much as it was disappointing for Fabio to be eighth, he has extended his lead again, albeit to 18 points, but that's what you want. And I think it, it shows Fabio's very rarely going to make a mistake. He obviously made the mistake in Aston, but otherwise, when have we ever seen him make a mistake? Whereas we're seeing these mistakes from Peko, and I think that's going to be the difference in the World Championship. But anyway, we'll move on. Anea Bastianini finished ninth. All things considered, again, we expected him to be up at the front this weekend, but Japan just did not seem to go well for him. He 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 qualified fifteenth. Uh, yeah. Um, he, he's moved up six places. I mean, it's it's kind of fair dues at this point. So, like, fair 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 enough to him. He kind of he did a job. I mean, mm. he he's. I know, obviously, he's still technically, mathematically in the championship. He's not good at, like... No. 
I think people there's wanted no, to dream. There's, there's no even an outside chance anymore. He's just not got it. I think people wanted to dream last weekend, obviously, with him taking the win in Aragon. I think people were like, oh, I, I, there's I a chance. I, I want to dream like you. I'm a Scott Ogden fanboy, but it's an A at first always. <laughs> so, I, I, but at this point, like ninth place, he, he's not got it. Yeah, it's on it's interesting a, though that he can battle with bad weekend for the title rivals. Like yeah. he, if he had put it up on the podium, like maybe, but I don't know. He was qualifying in the wet. He obviously did not do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the race, he made up as uh, he made up positions, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, I just get more and more excited to see the two of them as teammates next year. Paco and, and like fiery. It's going to be incredibly fiery. I think the two of them are going to tangle each other up, though. And if Yamaha, I say this every podcast episode now, if Yamaha get their top speed sorted, Fabio will just run away with it, with maybe a leash sprinkled in there. This might be like another Rossi Lorenzo. Marcus. 2015. Oh my god, let's recreate 2015. Yeah. That could be good. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Tenth place then was Marco Bezzecchi. Eleventh place was Johan Zarco, which was actually a bad race for him because he had started second. Zarco's one of those people that you can sort of rely on in the wet. Um I wouldn't call him a wet weather specialist, but it doesn't surprise me that he started P2. But I don't really know what went wrong for him in the race. Overall, just disappointing, especially when his teammates on the podium. But he's just allergic to winning. Well, yeah, but he's not allergic to the podium. We have seen him on the podium. No, he's been he's been on the podium way too many times that winning. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, slightly disappointing. Um, Paul Spargo finished twelfth. Alex Marquez finished thirteenth. Frankie Morbidelli finished fourteenth. Another honourable mention goes out to Kyle Crutchlow, who made up eight places in the race. And he was he was on the back of Morbidelli and they were lapping sort of similar times. And Cal lapped a very similar time to Frankie. And then Frankie sort of cranked up the heat a wee bit, knowing fine rightly that Cal was behind him, you know, showing him up basically. Like he has done since he stepped in um for Dovi after his retirement. So Kyle Crutchlow's been doing fantastic, and I think he could... I mean, you must know that Yamaha basically inside out now. Oh, yeah. And he, he's going to get higher up in the next few rounds as well because he understands the bike, and obviously he is the test rider, but it's embarrassing for Frankie at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, Frank, next year's, like, the big break or make or break year, like, I'd say even for Frankie's MotoGP career. Yeah, yeah. Like... If he cannot perform next year, then they said he was happy with the, the 2023 progress and he definitely felt faster. Mm. But if he doesn't if he doesn't sort himself out, then I think that's his MotoGP career gone. It could is, very well be. But I think as well because they don't have a satellite team anymore, where they're not going to after this season, that there could have been maybe a step down for him, but now that there's no other Yamaha to go on... No, no other factory will take him, really. Unless, like, Tech 3 are desperate or something like that. Because they'll they'll bin off one of their riders next year for absolutely no reason. So... I guess do. <laughs> his, like, Augusto is going to have such a hot seat because that's the seat that always gets, like, the rider fired. Yeah. yeah. 
So it, it'll be interesting actually to who replaces Frankie Morbidelli. I know I'm speaking in the future, but realistically, I don't see him keeping that seat. No. And I mean... Top Rack apparently doesn't particularly want it because his test didn't go well. So who's Yamaha going to bring in? Nikola Corona. Fermin Aldeguer. Jenny Dixon. Pedro Costa. No, Pedro's going to go to Honda. Uh, anyway. Jake would be great, actually. I, I would. I well, he's he's written on a he's written on a. Oh, Tony Arbolino. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> what kind of vendetta do you have against? Aleish. No. No, I'm I'm talking about the results. Oh, <laughs> like he's not going to move to Yamaha. Yeah, so Aleish had a pretty. Weird weekend. He qualified <laughs> sixth, but he I don't know what happened at the start of the race. I'm still not really sure. It was a human error, I know that for a fact, but I haven't bothered to research what exactly uh, it went wrong. The limiter technical. was stuck on. Well, there was something technical. We had to bike swap and then the, the it had the wrong rear tire, it had a soft rear tire because mm. he was at mediums. Um it just didn't work for him. No. And now he's 25 points behind Fabio Quattararo, which in the grand scheme of things isn't massive, but it is a whole race win. I don't see a leash winning a race between now and the end of the season is the massive thing. No, but it's 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 kind of he's got kind of hope for Fabio to be poor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, and that that's the only way. Like with Peko, like he could win, he could it could be Peko one, Fabio two for the rest of for the rest of the season, and Peko win. Yeah. But with um, with Aleish, he just needs a little bit more than that. He kind of needs good luck on his side. So I don't think he's going to get it. I think this has sort of taken him out of it. I think after last week in Aragon, it brought him right back into it. I know it was only seventeen points. Well, then, it, well, Aleish was starting higher than the other two, and. If he had got, if he had started normally, mm. podium, podium, but even just a massive chunk of points, which would have been huge yeah. for the championship. If he if he finished on the podium, you know, sixteen to sixteen to eight, that's eight taken out. That's eighteen points behind. He'd be level with Pecco. Yeah, yeah, it sort of be about ten, eleven ish points. Yeah, it would have been around that. That would have made it very interesting. I'm sort of half glad that didn't happen. Um, just because I want Fabio to win. I shouldn't show my bias. But bias. Oh my god, I can't speak. Um, shouldn't show my bias, but I, th- yeah, it does make things exciting. But it, I'd never want to see something like this happen to a rider where something out of their control goes wrong and it ruins his whole race. Now we've seen when Elish has had races ruined in the past, you know, obviously Aston and the crash with um, Fabio Quattararo, but he was able to make all those places back up. But today was just not that day. And it was really heartbreaking to watch. He's talked to his team and they've all said sorry to each other. And there's no hard feelings in that sense. Like no one was angry at anyone. Um, It's just a really disappointing weekend, but there was nothing really that, that could have been done in that sense. And it's annoying that something really? like that happened. You, the bikes have become like in, so technical now that even just one problem can ruin a whole race. Like we obviously short saw um earlier with the um I think it was Alesh in Austria with the whole shot device. Yeah. And he was just trying to like jam it into place, and you think like 
you shouldn't really be depending on that. Yeah, I don't like all the I don't extra know. We're, bits, we're but... taking out the rear the rear height ride height device next year. So good. Hopefully something's happened. Now take off winglets, please. <laughs> Destroy all aero, please. That's what I say. <laughs> just have just have like a twenty eleven bike, just absolutely nothing. Yeah, definitely. But then in seventeenth was Fabio Di Antonio. 18th was Raul Fernandez, 19th was Remy Gardner, and 20th was Taka Nakagami. Taka did have a crash, but he rejoined the race. I think he was a lap behind, at least. Um, But he was in so much pain this weekend. I'm so surprised he even raced. He had hurt his fingers and done a lot of tendon damage after his crash with Marc Marquez in Aragon. He'd had surgery on the Monday, and had been declared fit then, obviously on the Friday to race, um, or to to practice at least, um, and he was getting medical checks before each session to show that he was still fit to ride, um, but after free practice one on Friday, when he was taking off his glove, his glove was just full of blood, and it was horrible to watch, and his hands were shaking trying to take off his gloves, and. He could barely take them off. He just looked in so much pain. But the dedication he had just because he wanted to ride at his home Grand Prix, like, I don't know how he did it, but it's stunning the dedication that he had. He really just wanted to race at home after three years away. Gotten yeah. that it didn't go well for him. Yeah. yeah. Then we had some crashers. We obviously had a crash from Peko Banya, like we mentioned. Then we had a crash from Darren Bender. Alex Rins had to retire from the race. Then we had a crash from Nagashima, who was Honda's test rider this weekend. And this wasn't a crash, but we did have to take some evasive action. Suzuki's replacement rider for Johan Mir, um, Suda? I hope I'm saying that right. I have um, no idea how to pronounce it. Suda, yeah. Suda, yeah. So hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. But he was on the Suzuki and it literally went up in flames. He managed to get the bike off to the side of the circuit. The marshals were literally running beside him. They got the fire stopped. Thankfully, he hadn't spilled any oil or anything on the circuit. So that didn't cause chaos because that could have been very, very bad for everyone involved. But... Ryder was okay. They got the fire stopped and they got the bike away again. It's just very disappointing for Suzuki as a whole because obviously both riders didn't finish this weekend. They had brought some new aero in for Alex Rins at the start of the weekend. They they seemed dedicated to bringing or to trying to give their riders the best possible chance until the end of the season. But things have just gone from bad to worse for them ever since the announcement that they're leaving. Obviously, like, obviously, Suda this weekend was supposed to be a wild card, but obviously with Mir out, he ended up being a replacement instead. Yeah. Um, I I thought they were going to bring in... I thought they were going to have three riders still and put Watanabe back in, but... Um, mm-hmm. not. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's a shame. Like, Suzuki, they were world champions two years ago, and I get that the Suzuki Corporation pulled out of all racing activity. 
the endurance team has gone at the end of the year. I mean, they the endurance team didn't even didn't even win the championship, mm. um, which they had for for quite a few years, um, and it just seems like they kind of lost all mojo. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's a shame, and I think Suzuki as well. Um, they've been on the podium this year um with with Rins I think twice yeah um both in Argentina and Cota but um yeah it's it's a shame that we're kind of coming to the end of the tenure and it's just not looking good for them obviously like a farewell farewell podium or a farewell win in Valencia would have been absolutely beautiful but it's it, it, it might just be kind of just drag out to the end of the season and then Miran's um Miran Rins already have their heads on Honda yeah, definitely. It's it's not nice for them and it, it, it's disappointing. Although, speaking of fire, it actually just made me remember that Mark VDS, the Moto2 oh, team, yeah. had a massive fire in their garage on Thursday night. Which, ironically, Suzuki helped them out with. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, I don't know, something... Water had been getting into their garage, which I think had caused a fire thankfully they were able to get it stopped Suzuki actually helped Mark VDS out they got all the bikes out of the garage nothing was damaged thankfully um, Suzuki helped to clean up all the bikes and, and anything and Mark VDS had put out a, a statement obviously thanking Suzuki because that's, that's the good thing about MotoGP the fantastic thing that you know it, it is just one big family and it, it was really nice to see them come together like that and really help each other out you know they didn't have to do that and they just did it out of kindness which is really nice to see so again it's just disappointing for Suzuki because they're a lovely team you know their staff seem incredible and it was really nice of them to do that for Mark VDS obviously and yeah just annoying overall that we're not going to see Suzuki in the championship anymore. But yeah, I agree. It would be nice to see them up there one last time before they do leave for their riders. But it is looking difficult for them. But I think that is everything for this week. I am so sleep deprived. So I'm so sorry if this episode has been complete rubbish and just delirious on our part but it's been fun we know i have this for another few weeks though because we obviously have thailand next weekend then we have a two-week break and then we're in australia then we're in malaysia and then we're thankfully back to valencia for the last race of the season but this is it we're on the home stretch there's only four races left and then we're in the winter break so one step closer and finding out who's going to be world champion. But yes, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. We are at the Siding Lap if you want to follow us anywhere. And we will be back next weekend with the Thailand Race Review.